0: am excited to bring the Word to you today and I think this little one is as well. She cannot stop kicking uh, or maybe it's all the caffeine that I have consumed this morning and that's why she's kicking. But before we get into things, I actually just wanted to take a moment to commend our senior pastor, Pastor Sean, who was just here. Oh, there he is still chatting up the back. Wonderful. Uh, but he has just come back from Fiji and over there he preached over seven times. He was a part of the AOG National conference and I saw a little clip of him preaching all suited up and we just want to say we are so grateful for you Pastor Sean and your ministry and that you are not just a blessing to this house but to the wider body of Christ. So come on, let's give him a hand. He is wonderful. Well Lord, we just thank You so much that Your presence is here, that Your Holy Spirit is here with us today. And Lord, I just pray that You come and You fill us with wisdom Lord, would You fill us with understanding and revelation. And God, above all this morning, I ask that You reveal Your agenda for our lives. Lord, we just thank You for who You are and we say, come and have Your way in Your mighty Name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, hands up here. And if you're joining us online, maybe put a little wave in the, a little emoji in the chat. If you've ever started something and then decided to give up or stop halfway through, Okay, a few of us. Well, for me, there've been multiple years where every January I have had a New Year's resolution that I will exercise a certain amount of times a week. And then come mid-year, that resolution is almost non-existent. Or maybe for you, you decided to implement a diet and then you started eating spinach and kale and then sort of halfway through the spinach and kale had been replaced with chocolate and pasta or anything else that was in your cupboard. Or maybe Maybe today you started a hobby or a side business. Maybe you began to write a blog or a manuscript for a book, but somewhere along the way, you put that pen down and you stopped. You decided not to continue and you never saw what you started come to fruition. You see, as Christians, when it comes to our life and our spiritual walk, there are many things that we can begin to do. There are many things that we can start, but we don't always see them through to completion. A lot of the time we end up giving up halfway. And this concept is something that I want to unpack with us this morning. So if you want a title for my message, it is simply called The Halfway Mark. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. One of my favourite books, Jewish tradition identifies Nehemiah himself as the primary author of this historical book and much of it is written in his first person perspective. Now we don't know much about his upbringing or background. We're actually introduced to Nehemiah as an adult. But what we do know is that he is a Jew living in Persia. It's around 444 BC and he is serving in the Persian royal court as a cupbearer to the King Artaxerxes. Now, you may be wondering what a cupbearer is. His job was basically to sip or sample the king's drink before the king had a taste, just in case it had poison in it. It was actually a very big role, it was an anti terrorism measure, and the cupbearer had to have the king's complete confidence. Now, one day Nehemiah's family came to visit him while he was working and Nehemiah asked his family how everyone was going back in Jerusalem. Since the Jews had come out of exile, they were settling back into their hometown and he wanted to know how they were. And so this is where we're gonna pick up in the story. Chapter one, starting at verse three. Nehemiah's brother said to him, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. You see the wall of a city represented power. It represented protection for the Jews to come out of exile and back into Jerusalem with no wall, made them look defeated. They were defenceless, vulnerable, and it was completely humiliating for the people. Upon hearing this, Nehemiah started to cry. In fact, he said when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. Nehemiah was devastated for the people. He was so burdened and so moved by the situation that he actually decided to take annual leave from his job and go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall himself. Graciously, the king approved his leave and before he knew it, Nehemiah was back in Jerusalem gathering the Jews, orchestrating and planning and showing them how to rebuild their city wall. Every single one of them decided to move forward in this plan knowing it was from God and step by step, they began to build. And today I wanna ask you the question, what are you building? When it comes to your life, What are you building? Maybe you've decided to build a healthy family, putting God first in your marriage and the decisions that you're making. Maybe you're building your finance, looking at different investment investment opportunities or trying to get out of debt and finally starting that savings account. Or maybe you're building your spiritual life, putting some time aside to study the Bible or being intentional about hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're building your faith, believing God for that promise of breakthrough, that promise of healing and restoration. Or maybe you're building a new relationship or a startup company or a new way of life in retirement or that dream that you had in your heart so long ago. You see, there is always something that we are building in our life. And how many of us know that almost every time in nearly every case, it is at the beginning. It is at the very start of the build where we find the most momentum. Psychologists have actually called this the addictive emotional wave that accompanies every new project. You see, when we start to build, we have the vision. We have the passion. We are excited. We're excited to see God move. We're excited to see what He does. There's so much determination in our heart. It's as if nothing can stop us. And this is the attitude and mindset that Nehemiah and the Jews were in. They were saying together, yes, let's arise. Let's build. Let's do this thing. And so they did. They started almost immediately And in chapter 4, verse 6, Nehemiah says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. Something that I want us to take note of this morning is that Nehemiah and his people only built the wall until it reached half its height. In other words, they had stopped at the halfway mark. You see, it was at the halfway mark that things began to change. Suddenly building the walls didn't seem as easy as it did at the beginning. And one thing that I've come to realise is that the halfway mark is usually the toughest point. Let's take work for example. Just say you work a nine to five job, maybe it's a pretty average job and you don't love it. It's always just after lunch That is the toughest point of the day because you know you still have four to five hours to go until you can go home. Or ladies in the room, if you've given birth, how many of us know that it is always at the halfway mark of labour that the challenge really kicks in? Or maybe it's for the people that are doing renovations. And I bet there's some of you here today that started your renovations and then you stopped halfway through. And it has been years and they are still not complete. This is actually the story of my parents' life. I remember growing up and when I was three years old, they started to renovate. By the time I was seven, they still hadn't finished those renovations. And mom and dad sat me down and said, "Beck, uh, what do you want for Christmas this year? And I said, a door. And they said, what? And I said, I'd really love a door for my room. And I think it was at that point that they realised, all right, we really need to get these renovations done. But Alan Redpath, a British evangelist, puts it this way. The halfway stage is the toughest of all. When the initial enthusiasm for something has departed, you're more conscious, not so much of what has already been done, but of what is yet to be done. You are increasingly impressed with the magnitude of the unfinished task. That's exactly what happened to the people of Jerusalem. They said to Nehemiah, the strength of the labourers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we just cannot rebuild this wall. They said to Him, we are exhausted there's no one to do this. We can't keep going. There are all these piles of rubble and dirt. It's too overwhelming. And how many times in our own life when we're moving forward in God's plan and we start to build, we get halfway and we look at the circumstance and we think this is too much. Suddenly all this rubble and dirt just starts appearing out of nowhere. You're trying to get out of debt and then your car breaks down or you're praying for your children, your grandchildren and they turn around and say, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. Or maybe you finally join that life group and then work puts you on the Thursday night shift or roster when your life group meets. Or maybe you think you're gonna finally enter that season of rest. And then every life event possible hits you like a wave of bricks. And you think, God, what is going on? I just can't do this anymore. And before you know it, you get to a point where you're just halfway through and you're saying, I just can't. And you can see the mess, all you can see is the dirt and the rubbish and the obstacles and the difficulties. If I can be completely honest today, it's usually at the halfway mark that we can begin to lose perspective. We focus so much on the rubble, we give all our attention and focus to the problem rather than the solution. And the issue with that, what that presents is that if we focus so much on what we do not have, we miss what we do have. If we focus on who's not with us and what we can't do, we miss what we can do and who is with us. And I bring you this Word today because I have such a sense in my spirit that there are people here today that have started something. You've started something in God. Maybe you've been doing it for a while. Maybe you're believing for a certain promise. Maybe you're waiting for God to come through in a certain situation, but you just cannot see the end inside. Maybe you're just at a point where you just cannot see the answer to your prayer and you're just ready to give up. You're ready just to throw in the towel and say, you know what, I am done. But if I could prompt a thought this morning, that could it be that you're halfway there? Could it be that you're praying and praying, not even realising that your breakthrough is around the corner? Could it be that you've been sowing and sowing, not realising that just with a few more steps, you will reap more than you could imagine? Could it be that you've been believing for something and that very thing you are believing for has been confirmed in the spiritual realm, but in a matter of time, it's gonna come into the natural realm? Could it be without realising it, you are at your halfway mark? Nehemiah said to the people, stop focusing on the rubble. Stop focusing on the problem, but fix your eyes on the solution. Remember the Lord. He said, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. When Nehemiah said this statement, it was a full on statement. It was a jam packed statement. He was saying, remember when your family were slaves in Egypt? Remember when God raised up a young man called Moses? Remember when God called him and he stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And after Pharaoh said, no, remember when God said ten plagues to turn Pharaoh's heart, remember when we left Egypt and we were surrounded by our enemies. remember when God parted the Red Sea, remember when He led us by fire, do you remember that? And can I encourage you this morning that instead of focusing on what hasn't been done, remember the Lord your God and fix your eyes on what has been done. Remember when He took you from a place of darkness to a place of light. Remember when He provided that job for you. Remember when He saved your marriage. Remember when He healed you. Remember when He brought that friend into your life. You saw Him come through then and you're gonna see Him come through now. Do not be discouraged at the halfway mark. God is with you and He will not fail you. And you know what? I think sometimes we just need to start believing the theology that we preach. Because it is not in the good times that our faith is revealed. It is in the hard times. It is when we are at our weakest point that we are indeed strong. For it is His grace and His power that is made perfect in our weakness. God is a faithful God. And I don't know where you're at today, but I really sense that the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, do not give up. I started a good work in you. That was me, I started a good work in you and I will be faithful and I will bring it to completion. You know, as I was writing this message, I began to think about the church. I began to think about us as individuals. I began to think about what we're building in our own life. And I was reminded of the fact that whenever we begin to move forward as a church, whenever we begin to move forward in the plans that God has for us in our workplace, our family, our relationships, opposition will always show up. The Bible makes it very clear that Satan's mission is to steal, kill and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. So when you start moving forward and He sees you building for the Kingdom, unfortunately, He's not gonna give you a standing ovation. He is going to come against you and He's gonna do it any way that He can. You know, in Isaiah 54, a well-known scripture that we all know says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Do you know that word formed in Hebrew literally means to be fashioned? to design, to to plan. The enemy designs weapons against your situation. He doesn't use a general weapon to come against you. He looks at you, he studies you, he studies the situation and he designs the weapon for that circumstance. And this is what we see unfold with Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem. They had built the wall until it reached half its height and that very day, two of the regional governors, Sambalat and Tobiah came against them. Chapter four, verse seven. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Sambalat also said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, "'What are they building?' "'Even a fox climbing on it would break down their wall of stones.'" Samba and Tobiah didn't want those walls, that wall going up. They knew that once the wall was complete, Jerusalem would be in a position of strength and stability again. And the people of God would become an influence to the surrounding regions.'" You see, when you start building and moving forward in the plans of God, you'll often discover the critics. You'll discover the haters, the people that don't agree with you, the people that aren't happy with the direction that you're headed. And they may say all sorts of hurtful and negative things. Why? because whilst you were at the halfway mark and you think oh my goodness there's just so much to go and the glass is half empty the enemy actually sees the glass as half full and he knows what you are capable of in God and he is petrified he doesn't want the business you're building to flourish because he knows that it will fund the kingdom of God he doesn't want your marriage to be healthy because he knows it's going to impact your children and be a testament in this secular society he doesn't want you build friendships, investing into this community, being a part of a team or a life group, because He knows where unity is, it commands a blessing. And so that is why He's going to try and come up against you. So be encouraged today that opposition doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It actually means you're doing something right. Opposition doesn't mean you're building something wrong. It means you're building something right. However, we still need to be on guard. We still need to be aware of the enemy's tactics. Now, one of the greatest tactics that he will use to prevent us from moving forward is discouragement. The phrase sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I personally find completely inaccurate. Words are powerful, words carry weight. It's a biblical principle and that is why the enemy uses words to try and discourage because he knows that discouragement can often lead to defeat. You know, after the first few years of working in ministry, I remember someone coming up and telling me that I was in the wrong profession, that I really shouldn't be in ministry, that I wasn't a great leader. In fact, they went on to say my leadership was so terrible, they learnt from it. Now I had just been offered the young adults pastor, you know, the role as a young adults pastor, but how many of us know that I still felt that sting when I heard those words? I still felt discouraged. And I'm not sure what circumstance you find yourself in but I have a sense that there are people in this room that have recently encountered discouragement particularly around words you've started moving in the plans and purposes of God you 've stepped out in faith but you've found yourself being criticized or there's someone or a group of people trying to undermine you maybe' the topic of gossip um, the topic of that conversation and there have been words spoken whether from someone else or even your own doubt that have caused you to question what you were doing. And you feel so discouraged to the point where you would describe it as painful. Pain is hard. And I've been there. The people sitting around you, I'm sure, have been there in one way or another. It feels awful. But if we have a look at the Bible, Jesus never promised us a pain-free life When we make a decision to follow Him, we're not actually signing up for a vacation. Jesus actually said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have hardship. There will be people that try and discourage you and it will be painful, but take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And contrary to what society says, pain isn't always a negative Pain is actually one of the ways in which God works His grace deeply into our lives and accomplishes His divine purpose, the very thing that we are building. N.T. Wright, a New Testament scholar says this, Early Christians understood their vocation as Jesus' followers to include their own suffering, misunderstanding and likely death. The suffering, in other words, pain of following Jesus is not just the inevitable accompaniment to the accomplishing of the divine purpose, but actually itself is part of the means by which that purpose is fulfilled." When I look at people that are having a significant impact on others, when I look at people that are making a difference in this world, which we are all called to do, even people in influential positions of government or society, I can't help but notice that they're not in those positions just because of their skill and their talent. They're in those positions because of their pain threshold. From all the criticism, from all the negative self-talk and doubt to the gossip and the media articles, they're there because their pain threshold is so high. Samuel Chand, a Christian business consultant and author said, you will only ever grow to the threshold of your pain. You will only ever grow to the threshold of your pain. You see, pain is inevitable. It's impossible to avoid, but if we take hold of our pain and allow it to become the mechanism in which we grow and discover the strength of God within us, then we will find that our pain will be the very means that will bring us into our destiny. It will be the springboard that will launch us into the next phase of our build, pushing us over the halfway mark. But in order for this to happen, we need to know the source of our opposition. Because hear this today, our opposition isn't our pain. Our opposition isn't even the people, although they may be the mask of it, they may be the puppet. Ephesians 6.12 says that our fight, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. It is not against people. It is against powers and principalities of this dark world. So when we are faced with opposition, we need to know the source. We've got to look behind the scenes at what is going on because it is the enemy that we are fighting against. When Sambalat and Tobias started to come up against Nehemiah and the building of Jerusalem's wall, do you know what He said to them? He said, "'You have no legal historic right or share in Jerusalem.'" And in the same way, when we are facing opposition, when we are hearing that voice of discouragement, when all hell seems to be breaking loose and we just wanna throw in the towel, we need to step into that position of prayer. We need to focus on the spiritual realm and look the enemy in the eye and say, you have no legal historic right or share in my life and no weapon formed against me shall ever, ever prosper. If I could have the band, please come up and join me. Every time Nehemiah was faced with opposition and discouragement, his response was to pray. And a number of years ago, I experienced a form of opposition that I had never experienced before. It was another level. Um, and just when I thought it was over, it would keep coming back again, again and again and again. And all I could do was get on my hands and my knees and pray. And as I began to pray day after day, week after week, it was as if this roar came out of me. I began to access the and tap into this spiritual Spiritual and authority and strength that I didn't even think was there. You know, I've always seen myself as someone quite gentle and even tempered, although my husband joining us online would probably disagree and say otherwise. So maybe my self-depiction isn't that accurate. But when I began to pray, I remember driving up and down the boulevard near my house, just praying. A roar came out of me. I found courage and strength that I had no idea of was there. We may see opposition, but God sees opportunity. Opportunity to grow, to grow in the strength and the the power and the authority that he has given us in the spiritual realm. I recently read a quote that said they tried to bury you, but little did they know you were a seed. Zambalat, Tobiah and the surrounding nations tried to bury Nehemiah and the Jews. They tried to bury them over and over and over again with the pain of discouragement. But little did they know that it only drove the Jews to an even greater determination to build that wall. And I don't know about you, but I can stand here today and thank the enemy for everything that he has brought against me because I've never been more dependent on Jesus Christ in my entire life. I have never been more determined to continue to build the walls He is calling me to. If you're gonna hear one thing out of my entire message, I want you to hear this. The victory is not defeating the enemy. Jesus has already done that. The victory is when we choose to get up and continue building the wall. What is it that you are building today? Or as I mentioned earlier, have you reached halfway? put the shovel down and decided to stop. Have you stopped building your marriage? Have you stopped believing for that healing? Have you given up on that friendship? Has it been a while since you've spent time with God? Have you lost your momentum in your job? I believe with all my heart this morning that we are gonna finish this year strong and you are gonna pick up that shovel and you're gonna walk back into your situation, stronger and bolder and with a greater determination of what God is calling you to do. You know, Nehemiah said to the Jews as they got to the halfway mark, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes you're not building for yourself, you're building for them. Build for them, build for your marriage, build for your child, build for your work colleagues, build for your families, build for every single person in your world that is yet to find salvation, is yet to experience and encounter the freedom and the love of Jesus. And maybe this morning you're here and you've never encountered the love of Jesus. You've never known the Gospel of freedom that He offers. Well, right now, even in this moment, I just wanna present you with that opportunity. And so while every eye is closed in this place, just for privacy. If that is you this morning, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Maybe you're here today and you feel that there's nothing to build in your life. Maybe you're lost and you don't know where to go. Maybe you're lonely and you can't seem to fill that void. Maybe you've been searching for a long time and you still don't have answers. Can I tell you today that Jesus has and always will be the solution. 2,000 years ago, He came to this earth. He went to a cross and He took the penalty of our sin upon Himself. Three days later, He resurrected from the grave, breaking the power of sin and reconciling humanity back to God. When you put your faith in Jesus, He not only gives you eternal life, but He gives you a life of meaning. He gives you purpose and He shows you what to build in order to discover His hope and freedom and victory.